1: Walking the Path with the Buddha. I'd like to welcome you to our fourth class in our four-part series where we are learning Buddhist chanting. The way that we started this series back in class number one is I shared the benefits of chanting and I walked through how chanting can actually benefit your practice. And then we actually learned the chants piece by piece, chant by chant, not only the Pali chants, but also the English as well. And then students were working on that throughout the last few weeks in order to develop their Buddhist chanting practice. In our second class, I kind of recapped the benefits just to kind of refresh everyone's memory. And of course, people were asking questions throughout to learn what is this Buddhist chanting and how to actually practice it. And then our second class, we even did some individual coaching in order to help individual students develop their practice more and more. And then last session, we just all chanted together all the chants three times through then we did some meditation and then did some chanting at the end of our meditation and took any questions that you guys had related to chanting or anything else along this path including meditation or the eightfold path the five precepts or any of the topics that we've been discussing as part of the path to enlightenment so our class today this fourth class is going to be very similar to our last class where we're going to go through and do the chants three times And on that third time, we'll just move right into meditation and actually do breathing mindfulness meditation together, and then come out of the meditation with some chants again, using those same three chants, kind of making it part of our normal practice. So I'd like to welcome all of you for this fourth class of our four-part series and let you know that we're going to be doing some chanting, some meditating, some more chanting, and then open things up for any questions that you guys might have. So let's go ahead and move into the actual chants and do these together as a group. Remember we've got the Triple Gem or the Triple Jewel, then there's the Natmo Tassa and then the ETP So, these three individual chants. And what I'll do is just kind of lead you guys through chanting this together as a group one by one, but we're going to do all three as one series. And then we'll just kind of take a little breather maybe Massage our vocal cords a little bit, a little sip of water, and then we'll go through again. And then on the third one, we'll actually go into meditation. So let's go ahead and start with this first one, and then we'll just move right into the other two. This is the Triple Gem. So remember, just bring your hands together, palm to palm at your sternum. Take a nice deep breath.
2: Arahansamasamoto. <laughs> Sawakato and Haka Wata So sa vaka saṅkho saṅkhaṁ namāmi nāp morha sa bhagavato ārāto saṅma sa Nap more Iti piso makawar ARAHANG ang samasamoto. We cha charanang samono sakato kawito. Anu tero sa damasati sati satawa manu sanang potopaka.
1: Okay, so that was the first time through. And remember that these chants, they don't have any mystical or magical powers, what we're doing here is we're building awareness of mind, awareness of breath, we're gaining concentration. We're helping to ease the mind into meditation by doing some chanting and creating kind of like a little buffer between when you might come in from outside or anything else you're doing around your day. As you move into meditation, rather than just plop down and start to meditate, you have this practice that kind of ease the mind into meditation and ease it out of meditation. All right, so let's go through a second time. Same thing. Take a nice deep breath. (laughs)
2: Arahan samasamoto mahakawa. Pohatang mahakawa nang apiwa te mi. Savakha to Mahakir Vata Tammo Dhamam Namas Amin Supadhe Panom Mahakir Vata Savakha Sangho saṅghā nāmā amin. ārāhāto sammā Arahato samma sabhutasa Napmoh sabhako ato Arahato samma sabhutasa Iti piso m hakoa. Āra' āng sāma sāmu tō Vi cha cha Ānu te Dhamma Satatava Alright,
1: that was our second time through. This time, after the chants, we're just going to move right into meditation. So, as part of your meditation, remember that You would like to be in a nice position you would like to have a lower body and hands and arms resting comfortably once you go into meditation and the upper body should be nice and erect where this helps to keep the mind attentive and alert when the muscles in the upper body are nice and erect when we go into meditation after chanting you're just going to breathe in through the nose and out through the nose just a nice steady consistent breath gradually going in and gradually going out. With the eyes closed, you just focus on the breath. Anytime the mind is off the breath, you cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath. And then when you notice the mind's off the breath again, you just cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath. And you just keep doing this all the way through the meditation where just stay focused on the breath, and wherever you notice that the mind is not on the breath, Just cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath. Here, you're training the mind to arise mindfulness, to arise concentration, but also training the mind to eliminate craving, desire, attachment, where the mind wants to hold on and kind of long and have these thoughts. You train the mind to more easily let them go and come back to the breath. So during meditation, even when the mind's enlightened, there's going to be occasional times where the mind is off the breath, but you'll notice it really quick and you'll be able to let it go really easy and come back to the breath. So you get to that by gradually training the mind through all these meditation sessions to stay focused on the breath. When you're aware it's not there, cut it off, let it go, and come back to the breath. This is called breathing mindfulness meditation. So I'm not gonna do any guidance when we go into meditation today. I'm just gonna let you guys go in, do that work to train the mind, observing the breath, having that mindfulness, that concentration, and then cut off and let go of any thoughts or ideas or perceptions or the past or the future, anything the mind wants to arise in terms of thoughts, even if they're wholesome thoughts or unwholesome thoughts, you still cut them off and let go during meditation. So let's go ahead and do our chant and then just ease right into meditation. Nice deep breath. (tries) Arahang
2: samasam hoto MAHAKAVA Puatang makawa nahang apiwa te mi. Sawakha Dhamang Nama Sāmi. Supadipa no Vimha Kya Vattu Nama Nap more Nap more sab Ara to some as a putasa. Iti piso hako are handsome as vi ca samuno Sakato na anu tero purisa pu ri sa ta ma O <Sings> pa Samha <tries> Sambhoto But Ipano haka watho Some sampo the sun. Arahato some Bhagavato ARAH TO SAMA Cacaranang Samuno Sekatoru Kavito Anu Teropurisa Dhamma Satisata Tawa manusana.
1: all right if you guys would like to make your way out of meditation we'll just go ahead and open things up to any questions that you guys have regarding chanting or meditation anything along this path that we've been discussing or anything that you've uncovered in your journey that you would like to talk about that you're not quite sure you'd like to get some clarification on all you need to do is put your question into facebook youtube or zoom and we'll be able to have the moderator ask your question during the class or in zoom you can electronically raise your hand and you'll be unmuted or you can unmute yourself in order to ask any questions or follow-up questions directly let's begin with a question from Dabby. Thanks,
3: James. Um, Teacher David, can I check at the end of meditation, how do you decide that uh, it's time to end this session of meditation?
1: I just stop whenever I feel like I'm ready to stop. With the class, when I'm teaching classes, I don't really go deep into meditation because I'm needing to be aware of the amount of time that we're meditating because I realize that we're online, and also people that are meditating might not necessarily be interested to do a full session the way that I would normally maybe do on my own. So in class, I usually try to go right around 15-20 minutes of meditation in class without timing it, without anything like that. I try to go kind of from the time that we end chanting until the time we start chanting again, I try to go about 15-20 minutes And then with the chanting and guidance and everything like that, it ends up being about 25 to 30 minutes total from the time that I first take you guys into meditation. But when I meditate on my own, I just go into meditation and just go. I'm not thinking about other students who are meditating and making sure I don't go too long and making sure I don't go too short. So in my own practice, I'm just meditating. I just go into meditation. And then at some point, I just decide, okay, this is enough. And during the meditation itself, I'm not thinking like, is it enough yet? Is it enough yet? Is it enough yet? I'm not thinking like that. I'm just going into meditation, letting go, just meditating. And then at some point, the mind will just say, okay, we're done here. And sometimes I look at the clock. It's 20, 30 minutes. Other times it's 40, 45 minutes that I've been meditating Very rarely will I do kind of an hour of meditation. I can probably count maybe 10 or 20 times total over the course of having developed a meditation practice that I've ever meditated for an hour. So usually 30 minutes is really all you really need. And you'd like to get to the point where your mind's comfortable doing 30 minutes of meditation. And it can just reside in meditation without thinking about the time, without worrying about it, without even any worries or any thoughts of concern about time whatsoever and then just come out and then if you looked at the start time when you started and you looked at the end time when you finished, you should try to be right around thirty minutes. It can be longer, it can be shorter, but right around that time is what you'll find is the most beneficial.
3: I see. So it's more like a um, should I say a feeling? you say that, okay, it's about time and you just
1: come out of it. Yeah, I just know that it's a feeling and I come out of it. Sometimes it's when my legs fall asleep and I feel like, okay, my legs have fallen asleep. And if I keep going, it's just going to feel more and more pain. You know, I may have shifted my legs and moved those around. It might be just that, okay, I know I've been meditating for a really long time and I've gotten a lot of benefit out of it. And I know that I'm done. Right now, I've noticed in the last week or two that my meditations are going closer to 45 minutes and beyond. But there's other times where they're shorter. But yeah, it's just kind of an internal feeling that I just kind of know. And my legs used to not fall asleep. About two and a half years ago, I had a motorbike accident. And since then, I've noticed that my legs tend to fall asleep. And for a long time, I actually used to just meditate with lots of cushions stacked up. And I was kind of almost in a seated position when I was doing a lot, a lot of the meditation that I needed in order to get to where I am today. I was doing a lot of it in the, with like maybe like 10 cushions stacked up, meditation cushions stacked up like the flat ones. And I was in a seated position where I prefer to be on the floor. So now I just put like two pillows under my rear. And with those, even sometimes my legs will fall asleep from this motorbike accident that I had. So sometimes it's, you know, 20, 30 minutes, but I'll kind of shift them around. It's just an internal feeling that happens. There's no alarm that I set. For me, I don't have to be anywhere specific, right? Like, because I'm sharing these teachings. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm on my own schedule. I'm writing books. I'm helping students, answering questions, posting things in Facebook. So I can just go until the mind's like, okay, that's enough. But for someone who has a work schedule or something a little bit more anchored in their life, they may have to set a timer and kind of set it for 30 minutes or something. But where you can get to a point where you don't need a timer, maybe like on a weekend or something, or in the evening times, it would be best to not use a timer and just kind of look for that internal feeling like, okay, this is enough. I'm done now.
3: Thank you, DJ. You're welcome. Let's go I now. Hi, teacher David. Um, how does one um, address uh, saying the chants um, before meditation and after meditation if there's uh, body fatigue, um, certain days you're not well rested, and um, you're attempting to sit for meditation, and then uh, when you're chanting, um, you know, the body's tired. So should one push through that sort of fatigue and just say the chants before and after meditation?
1: You can, or you can decide not to, because remember, there's impermanence there. So there have definitely been times in the past where the mind or the body was fatigued. I had enough energy to do meditation, but not enough to do the chanting beforehand. So I would just go into meditation and get whatever benefit i could and then just go to sleep for example after i was done meditating i would finish and then just go to sleep and there were also times where i might have done a chant going into meditation did a really thorough meditation session and by the end the mind was just completely utterly exhausted and tired from doing all that work in the meditation and i just decided okay i'm not going to do the chant on the way out of meditation because i'm just so exhausted from the work that i had to do during meditation but as you clear out the pollution in the mind you won't have the fatigue going in and you won't have the fatigue coming out no matter how much work you've done during the meditation because all the work's been done the buddha talks about you know what's been done has been done right so once the mind has eliminated the 10 fetters when you're in meditation it's just complete peace it's just complete joy. It's complete calm. All the real work's been done. But before you get to that point, you'll have many, many, many meditation sessions where if you're doing the real work in meditation, you might emerge from meditation very exhausted and very tired. And in that situation, you can either choose to chant if you'd like, or you can just be like, you know what, you know, I can't even fathom chanting. I'm just going to let that go. And just go to sleep or just go out for a walk or just sit here quietly. Don't feel like you have to permanently hold on to the chance. The chance are there for you. If they're benefiting you and you feel there's a benefit for them, then use them going in and coming out or just going in or just coming out. And each time, each session is gonna be a little bit different. So there's some sessions that I do with chance and some sessions that I do without. So don't feel like you have to permanently hold on and do it exactly the same way every single session.
3: All right. Thank you. You're welcome. The last couple sessions of Buddhist chanting, we've went into breathing mindfulness meditation. Is chanting something that you would recommend carrying into our loving kindness practice as well?
1: Yeah. Before meditation, most often I will chant before going into meditation, but there's, definitely times where I don't. And whether it's breathing mindfulness or loving kindness, I will typically chant on the way in and the way out. But even now, like I've been going to bed around 4 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning is when I kind of been sleeping and everyone else in the house is sleeping at that time. So I don't even chant on that particular meditation session right now. But who's to say in the future, I might my might, might sleeping might end up being at a different time and that will all change. So rather than trying to hold on to anything fixed, just realize what the benefits are here that it definitely helps ease the mind in and ease the mind out and where you feel like that's going to benefit you for breathing mindfulness and or loving kindness. Go ahead and do that. And if you feel like it's not Going to help you in that particular case, then you can leave it off and just go right into breathing mindfulness or loving kindness and come right out and uh, see what your experiences are. Oftentimes, the unrelated mind kind of wants to be all in or all out you know, it's it's black or white, or it's on or it's off, it's you know, one thing or another. Leave this gray area open that you're building your practice, you have this tool it's helping you and in situations where you see it can be helpful you go ahead and pull it out and you use it and in other situations where you feel like maybe it's not going to be as useful for you based on certain things that are going on then maybe you leave it off
3: So it sounds like it's very important to keep in mind impermanence with our chanting and our practice overall
1: always always if if you were of the mindset that I must always chant every time before meditation, I always got a chant and coming out, I need to always, always, always chant. If the mind was like that, it would be discontent. It would be highly discontent. I was talking to a new student recently and she was sharing with me that she had learned that if she didn't do a session for one hour and her meditation sessions weren't exactly one hour, that it was a waste. It was a waste of time. And I was like, oh, so if you did a meditation for 59 minutes, it would be a waste of time. And just because you didn't get to an hour, she was like, that's what she was taught. But that's the mind craving permanence and thinking that every single session should be an hour. But what you do is you get to the point where you can observe the improvement to the condition of your mind too. In the condition of your practice, based on as you're practicing these teachings, you can observe the improvement to the condition of the mind. So if you do a 20-minute session or even a five or 10-minute session in some situations, do you observe any improvement? And the answer is, yes, I do. So therefore, that completely helps you to see that you don't have to meditate exactly an hour every single time to get benefit. And that's why I say the way that I do is that the most ideal or what you'll notice the most benefits is if you get to 30 minutes and beyond. But then I help people understand that meditation has to be built up just like every other part of your practice, just like chanting, it needs to be gradually built up. And you might meditate for five, 10 minutes and that's where you are right now. And there's absolutely benefit in that. So oftentimes the mind is looking for this fixed thing of, I've got to meditate an hour in order to get any benefit. 59 minutes is no good. 58 minutes is no good. 57 minutes is no good. And now the mind feels discontent because it's craving an hour so much that when you get to 58 or 59, you feel deflated. Or same thing with chanting. If you think that you've got to chant before and after every single meditation session and you're holding on to that really tightly in situations where you're tired or you're just not able to chant, you're going to feel discontent because you're holding on and craving chanting so much. You're attached to it. So you build up your practice and then you keep everything fluid and you work towards the direction of what the Buddha taught but you realize that these things are impermanent even chanting even meditating the time and the length of your meditation all of these things are impermanent
3: do you think that the idea of perfection and craving perfection do you think that can hold back our practice for instance if we feel that 30-minute meditation is where we receive the most benefit but on a particular day we may only have 10 minutes do you think that Focusing on that 10 minutes and making the most of that, that's really what can best benefit of our practice rather than being blinded by the potential of a 30-minute
1: session. Right. If it's a matter of 10 minutes or nothing, you might as well take the 10 minutes. <clears throat> the way that I think about it is if you think about it as meditation is scooping water, and you're really, really, really thirsty. The mind is really, really, really thirsty. It's like, okay, you come upon this big trough of water, You haven't had a drink for a long time. You come across this big trough of water and someone says, you can only scoop water if you scoop for 30 minutes. That's the only time it's going to benefit you is if you scoop water for 30 minutes. Well, can I scoop for just 10 and get some benefit? Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if you scoop water for 10 minutes, you're going to quench your thirst and you're going to get some benefit there. Not as much as if you did 30 minutes, but the 10 minutes is still helpful and beneficial. So scoop that water. You know, I've been in situations where I've started meditation three minutes, five minutes into it. My son comes and interrupts and says he needs me to take him somewhere. Even that three minutes I was sitting down or that five minutes I was sitting there with the intention of meditating for a long session and I was in meditation. Even after that three to five minutes, I opened my eyes and I felt, wow, this was actually beneficial. I noticed some benefit there. Now, when I came back from taking him, then I got a longer session in. But in that situation, if I was craving the 30 minutes and I was craving to do a long meditation session, when my son walks in and says, dad, I need to go to school. Can you take me at that three to five minute mark? If I was craving 30 minutes, I would be discontent. The mind would be angry or frustrated or irritated or annoyed. But if you recognize impermanence that every time you start a meditation session, you're not going to be able to get 30 minutes. Your intention is that, your goal is that, you work towards that. Your intention, your goal might be to chant in most of your meditation sessions. That's the goal you're working towards. But you should know, because of the universal truth of impermanence, that it's impossible for you to chant every single meditation session. It's impossible for you to get 30 minutes of meditation every single session. But there's nothing that says if you got a five or 10 minute session that that wasn't beneficial. You think about meditation as this accumulative benefit, that you're accumulating time and as you accumulate this time over multiple sessions, then it results in this outcome of an enlightened mind. It's the same thing as if you were doing an artwork and you had a blank canvas, and you had 30 minutes and you walked into your easel, you mixed your paints, you started painting for 30 minutes, and you're like, all right, that's enough. I'm gonna walk away now and finish painting. Well, now the next day you come back, you're like, I'm gonna paint for an hour. And you go in there, and your intention is to paint for an hour, but five or 10 minutes into it, somebody comes in and interrupts you and you realize you need to go do something else. Okay, let me just lay this down and go do something else. I need to go handle this other thing. That other thing is a higher priority right now than painting this picture. But through multiple sessions of painting this picture, you're accumulating the benefits of this beautiful picture that's being painted and ultimately is going to be the result of this accumulated benefits of multiple sessions of painting. Meditations the same way, that you might have the goal of 30 minutes or longer per session, but there's going to be sessions where you get less than that. There's going to be sessions where you get more than that, but it's all going to accumulate to the beneficial results of a more pure mind, a cleared out mind, where you're eliminating this pollution and you're arising wholesome qualities.
3: Given that some students will be celebrating Thanksgiving tomorrow, I was wondering, did the Buddha say anything about gratitude in his teachings?
1: Yeah, he talks about gratitude and having gratitude. You know, gratitude is highly important. You know, if if we don't have gratitude, we don't have appreciation, we're not thankful for the things around us, then our mind is deluded, right? It's It's not seeing true reality. But what's important is that we understand that anything that happens around us is as a result of our own choices. Sometimes in situations like this, we like to give thanks and gratitude. Yes, we should have thanks and gratitude and have appreciation for the people around us, for the opportunities that we have around us and things like this. But sometimes we think that there's a being that is giving us these things, right? or that there's good luck or bad luck. It's important to see the natural law of gamma that anything that we experience in life is as a result of our decisions. And one of those decisions that we make is to have gratitude for the people and the things and the opportunities that we have. And by having that decision of having gratitude and showing that through our intentions, our speech and our actions, then the people around us aren't confused about how we feel and what we think about, you know, the various ways of people helping us in our life. So one of the things I try to make a real effort is for you moderators and students and people that are supporting me. I always look for ways to say thank you and show appreciation. You know, every single person who helps me either moderate or help me with books, finding references and stuff. Or even when students show up and just show up for a class, I I just thank them for their dedication and diligence for learning and practicing these teachings. So we should always find ways to show people our thanks and gratitude. But at the same time, you got to be sure that you're not overdoing it right like you always have to find the middle with that whereas if you're completely complacent and you never thanked people around you you would be pretty selfish but also if you were going around thanking people constantly and just always thinking that every single class i had to say thank you moderators thank you moderators thank you moderators if i had to keep saying that over and over permanently every single class it would almost be like a broken record And it would also even lose its significance if we were doing that every single time. So it's important to find that middle way where you let people know that you're appreciative of the support they're giving you in your life. And that can be with words, but also make sure you follow it up with actions too, like practicing generosity, sharing things with people. Uh, For me, I have certain ways that I can give things to people and show people my appreciation through my words, but also through actions as well. And then people aren't confused about your appreciation and gratitude. And by you making the decision to show your appreciation and gratitude, people are then more willing to help you and support you because they feel that, yeah, this person is appreciative and has gratitude for what I'm contributing. So you shouldn't have gratitude in a app- appreciation and practice generosity with the expectation that people will help you more it should be just a pure thing that you're very appreciative you have gratitude and therefore I would like to share my gratitude through intention speech and actions well
3: much gratitude today David for sharing the team as always
1: yeah very pleased to share with you guys and hope that this four-part series was helpful for you guys that you know this chanting is there for you if you would like to use it it's not something that's required of you in order to get to enlightenment you know you wouldn't be able to get to enlightenment without meditation that's absolutely 100 percent important but with chanting it's a optional thing and for some people they really gravitate to it they feel it's helpful and remember all those benefits that i talked about in the first class people feel like yeah i can see this this is really benefiting my practice. Other people try it for a while and then they're like, "Ah, yeah, this isn't really for me. I I feel fine just going right into meditation. So that's where your practice is going to be different than someone else's. But if you understand the goals of what you're trying to accomplish in your meditation, then you can be sure you're accomplishing those goals in meditation, but also in your daily life as well as putting together the Eightfold Path. So chanting isn't 100% required of you in order to attain enlightenment but these other qualities of mind that are part of the full path and all the other teachings are important so be sure that you guys continue to cultivate those as part of your path do you guys have any further questions james or is that everything that we had for today
3: that seems to be all that we have for today
1: okay so i'll just wish you guys all the best for those of you guys that are going to be celebrating Thanksgiving tomorrow. I guess that's in the U.S. and maybe some other places, but I think that's the main place where they celebrate Thanksgiving is in the U.S. And uh, yeah, be thankful, have gratitude, have gratitude for the Buddha, have gratitude for his teachings, respect for this community of people that come together and we all make this community possible and available for each other, that we're all contributing in our own unique ways to be able to create this environment where we can all come and learn on Sundays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays in order to grow. And then all the other resources that are available, these are all being developed and cultivated by this community to be able to help anybody who chooses to step forward and decides to learn. They have the opportunity to do that through books, audiobooks, videos, podcasts, online classes, personal guidance, in-person classes courses and retreats there's all these different options for people to learn and this is all being created by all of us to be able to provide this community for ourselves to come into but also anyone else is always welcome we have completely open door for anybody and everyone to come and learn so thank you all for contributing to what we do in order to offer these teachings to the world I'm pleased to see that all of you guys are continuing to be committed and dedicated to learning. On this Sunday, we're in our group learning program. We're going to be discussing chapter nine, which is titled, What is Kama and How Does It Affect Me? So we're going to be going into this chapter and helping you to understand in detail what is the natural law of Kama and being able to see that very clearly because the Buddhist teachings are really based on The natural law of Gamma. It's a central focal point of his teachings. So, understanding the natural law of Gamma is very important to awakening the mind. When we talk about awakening the mind, it's awakening to this natural law of Gamma, these natural laws of existence. So, on Sunday, we'll be doing that. And then next week, on Wednesday, We'll be doing a breathing mindfulness meditation session where we'll be coming together, guided into meditation, doing chanting as part of that, and then having any open questions as we normally do at the end for any questions that you guys have on anything that you're needing help with or guidance on in your practice. So thank you all for joining for today's class. We'll see you guys either on Sunday or Wednesday. Have a lovely rest of your day. Sawadee